What's up, people? This is Jamoke Davis, and you are listening to a new episode of Just For Sport. Having a great week so far. Hope you are as well. I enjoyed a historic Monday night football where the Patriots did something I just never expected them to do. Not get a win, but do it really without needing a quarterback to do really anything. Almost was a decoy. I'll talk about the the beauty of, of what Bill Belichick has done, which is just... You know, sometimes you just shake your head like you just can't believe the different ways that Bill Belichick finds a way to win, if you will. In the NBA, speaking of a will to win who just befuddles you in his abilities, Steph Curry. Woo! He is the greatest three-point shooter and scorer of all time. And yesterday was just another magical show. Just another magical show. Drilling seven three-pointers in a win over the magic. And the thing is, it's Steph Curry who's just completely magical. And if you get a chance, if you haven't seen him in person, you gotta try to see him in person. I've seen him in person a few times. He's just fun to watch. The thing for me, when you think about an athlete, I can't think of an athlete who is a killer. He is an assassin on the basketball court, but he has so much fun. The joy on his face. If I could be one player, it would be Steph Curry. Well, one, because I feel like I'm a good three-point shooter too. I love the dagger. Dagger! Although I know dagger really is for Steve Buckhead. Shout out to him. That's what he says when, you know, someone hits a game winner. But I, I like it for three-point shots. But he just seemed to be having so much fun. I don't know if you saw the video the other day where he was shooting threes from, you know, not on the court, not in the, the VOM or the tunnel going to the locker room, but he was up in the stands shooting a three-pointer. It was, it was, it was, it was cool. So we'll talk about that. Uh, In the NFL, again, I talked about Tom Brady, so I'll get to my picks as well. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers are still alive. What's happening with the Washington football team? It's just, it's, it's just a good time. I really am enjoying, and I don't know if I'm just saying, I don't know. The part of me is just like, what are you talking about? This season isn't better than any other season. But again, I feel like it is. And I know when you're watching, come on, the parody, right? How many teams are alive? You know, you're, you're, you're checking for your team. You obviously, everybody wants their teams to make the playoffs. But you know what you're really looking for is, okay, does my team have a shot? 
Can they win it? And I think they are a lot of teams with a shot. Considering we are 13 weeks into the season, four games to go, and in the AFC, you've got the New England Patriots at 9-4 and four, sitting atop the American Football Conference. But I think you can go all the way down to the Miami Dolphins at 6-7. and seven. And they've got a shot to get in. You've got a handful of teams, Chargers, Bengals, Bills, Steelers, Colts, Raiders, Browns, Broncos, that are either 500 or two games over 500. And that's really, you know, you lose one. Let's say the Chargers are seven and five. You know, I mean, they lose this upcoming week. And all of a sudden, they're only a game over 500. As I'm uh, looking right now, and I feel like I'm drawing a blank. Because, uh, of course, I realized what I said. Um, I said the San Diego Chargers instead of Los Angeles Chargers because I do that all the time. So Giants at the Chargers. They're probably going to win that game. But there are just a lot of teams. And I know you're, you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, you're excited because you're like, we got a shot. We may be at the bottom of that pile of teams that could make the playoffs. But they still have a shot. They're on the bye week this week, specifically the Dolphins, but they got a shot. That's where it is. The cutoff is the Dolphins. Jets, Texans, Jaguars, done. Another season where you're like, okay, yep, they're done. And then in the National Football Conference, we got the Cardinals at the top at 10-2. and two. Green Bay Packers are in second place. They win a tiebreaker over Tampa if the playoffs started today because they got the better winning percentage in conference games. And you got the Buccaneers at 9-3. and three. But realistically, you can go down to the Saints at 5-7. and seven, And they've got a shot. Why do they have a shot? Because top five teams, I feel like, are a lot. Rams, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Packers, Cardinals. They're a lot to make the playoffs. Washington is in the playoffs right now. If the playoffs started today and they have a tie-break win over San Francisco based on winning percentage in conference games, but they're only 6-6. Six and six. The New Orleans Saints are 5-7. and seven. They're the 12th team that has a shot to make the playoffs. But the crazy thing is, if you want to extend it, 15 of the 16 teams in the NFC still have a chance to make the playoffs. The Giants, 4-8. and eight. The Bears, four and eight the Seahawks four and eight yeah they still got a shot because they're really only two games behind Washington who sits in sixth place at six and six this is going to go down as one of the best best final weekends in the NFL and I feel like I'm jinxing it but realistically the next four weeks are going to be amazing amazing 
But I think it will come down to the final week that decides what teams will make the playoffs or not. Team Futures. You still got the Super Bowl winners, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 550 to win it all. Chiefs behind them at plus 650. But when you look at who has a shot, a team could make a magical run. The Patriots have shot all the way up to plus 700, tied with the Cardinals as the that second-tier team that they think could win the Super Bowl. But you've got some teams in here like the Colts at plus 3,500. Maybe they could get hot. They're the best running back in the NFL. And Jonathan Taylor, if Carson Wentz can somehow not screw up the game, hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor. If he has a magical run, you never know. Eagles, Gardner Minshew, no, plus 8,000. That's probably as far as I go in a line of who realistically could make a magical run. 49ers, maybe. But I know the Colts are a long shot. Even the conference winners. You got the Vikings at plus 4,000. The Rams at plus 750. Got the Buccaneers at the top at plus 275 with the Packers right behind them at plus 350. There's a lot of good value there because it's still up in the air. Washington football teams plus 6,000. I doubt it. Seattle Seahawks at plus 8,000. Can Russell Westbrook turn it around? I mean, before the season started, the Seahawks were almost a lock to make the playoffs. And don't forget, it was really injuries that messed the Seahawks up. Those games that Russell Wilson missed. Feel like I said Russell Westbrook earlier. Russell Wilson missing games is what really hurt the Seahawks. You can get them at plus 8,000 to win the NFC. I mean, I know, again, it's highly unlikely, but if you're a Seahawks fan, you put your money down. You never know. Parody in the AFC. Guess who's at the top of the AFC to win the AFC conference? That's right. The Patriots at plus 300. They're tied with the Chiefs at plus 300. Three to one. The Bills have dropped to plus 500. The Ravens plus 700. The Chargers at plus 1,000. Also didn't mention the Rams in the NFC plus 750 if I didn't mention that. Because that was, you know, I said, I thought Matthew Stafford leaving the Lions, going to the Rams was really going to turn him into an MVP-type quarterback and that uh, they would have the best season that they had. But eh, kind of fizzled out. Still good, but not as good as I was hoping he would be. But back to the AFC. You can get the Bengals at plus 1,400. They didn't do so good against the Chargers and Justin Herbert. You can get the Chargers at plus 1,000. The Colts at plus 2,200. Steelers at plus 5,000. Highly unlikely. I'm not going to go all the way into it, but you can get into division winners as well. There's some good uh, odds for making the playoffs as well. 
And the thing is, some of them are for no's that I like. Chargers plus 225 for no. Raiders at plus 650 for a yes. The Jaguars at plus 100,000 for a yes. How crazy is that? I mean, that's just, I mean, there's no way they're making it. But if you're a Jaguars fan, I mean, I tell you what. There is no doubt that if the Jaguars make it, uh, it'd be kind of crazy, but you'd be you'd make the the rounds of talk shows. You really would. So there's some good odds there. We haven't talked about uh, in a while about the awards. Who's my MVP? As I mentioned, it was going to be Matt Stafford at plus sixteen hundred. Still a long shot. But who's the MVP of the season? Tom Brady is favored at plus 175. Aaron Rodgers at plus 600. I think it's almost easy to pick a quarterback. I mean, when I look at what the Colts have done, what Jonathan Taylor has done, they're only 7-6, and six, so the likelihood of him... Winning MVP is slim. They've got to go on a, a a run to, you know, I mean, basically run the table to end the season. But even then, they'll only finish 11 and 6. I mean, the crazy thing is, you know who I take for MVP? Because you didn't expect him to? And it's probably not going to happen. Mac Jones. Why, why not? Why not? You look at what Mac Jones has done. The Patriots are 9-4. and four. And let me tell you something. They can run the table. They can. They play at the Colts next. Primetime game. They play the Bills again at home, which I will get into the massive performance by the Patriots next. The Jaguars at home and then at the Dolphins. I think they're going to run the table. And in running the table... If the Patriots in the season at 13 and 4, the only thing I think that keeps you from not really considering Matt Jones for MVP, and the reason why I pick, I would say he's got a chance at MVP. I know the Cardinals are 10 and 2, but Kyler Murray's missed some games. I feel like that makes him probably the odds on, not the odds on favorite, but at plus 750, I'm surprised that Tom Brady is number one at plus 175. But the only thing that would keep me from even thinking, okay, look, think about Mac Jones. I mean, most likely the, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will run the table too. They got the Bills at home, Saints at home, Saints aren't the same, at the Panthers, at the Jets, and versus the Panthers. Arizona's schedule, they play the Rams. That's going to be a tough game. Rams need that game. Then at the Lions, then at home versus the Colts, then at the Cowboys and versus the Seahawks. They've got a tough road ahead. I do think that the Cardinals will probably lose two of their last five games, maybe three of their last five games. I think they have a tough schedule. The Packers play the Bears at the Ravens. That's a tough one. Versus the Browns, a tough one, but at home. Versus the Vikings at home. Then at the Lions. Ah, I think you could see one more loss in there. I could see one more loss. But in the end, what I want to get to is the Patriots. Not only did they beat the Bills yesterday, and if you're a Bills fan, you've got to be reeling. You're probably really worried about what's going to happen is our team, they're struggling. They're, they're just struggling. They're 7-5, two games over 500 after what some thought might be a Super Bowl run for them. I don't know. And the reason I don't know, because the Patriots didn't just beat the Bills yesterday. They beat the Bills with Mac Jones only throwing the ball three times. Three times! That stat line... It's just, it makes Bill Belichick seem like a genius because he just comes up with these scripted games where he's just like, I mean, could you just imagine him in a room where he first started with the coaches? He's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to pass the ball. We're just going to run, 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 run. And the crazy thing about running, that's right, Matt Jones, two of three, for 19 yards and a 14 to 10 win. On the other side, Josh Allen, 15 to 30 for 145 yards and a touch. And I know that a couple of the DBs were pretty upset with reporters saying that was an embarrass- embarrassment to lose that way. And I agree with the D- the DBs. Like, no, don't say that. I mean, because the Patriots only scored 14 points. It's not like they scored, you know, 32, they scored at the very beginning of the game, the 64-yard run, and then went for two, and they scored a couple of field goals in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. The Bills did, I wouldn't even say the Bills did anything wrong. It was just a fluke game that simply was masterful by the New England Patriots, and that's it. They're undefeated on the road, 6-0 and on the road. The Bills are 500 at home, 3-3 three and three after this game. But also, when you think about the running backs for the New England Patriots, you're like, okay, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Brandon Bolden. Well, Brandon Bolden only had four carries, but just to round out, you know, the running backs. Damian Harris, 10 carries for 111 yards. But we know 64 of those yards were in one run. It's not like they had Jonathan Taylor on their team to hand the ball off to. So once again, I just want to say that it was just a masterful, masterful performance by Bill Belichick. And every week in the National Football League, it's just going to be great. 
It's just going to be so exciting to watch. The inches we need are everywhere. And it's going to be needed any given Sunday, every day, for the rest of the football season. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Speaking of fun, I enjoy so much watching Steph Curry. He's just a joy to see on the basketball court. And as I mentioned earlier, it's the joy that he plays with. Seven three-pointers in the game. One from pretty much half court. He has already surpassed Reggie Miller. But he's about to pass Ray Allen. And the thing about it is, yes, it's easy to say that, oh, well, Ray Allen was a great three-point shooter too. And I can argue that Ray Allen was better. No, you can't. And I know we're saying, oh, but wait, but Ray Allen, he still leads the league in most three-pointers made. He's the all-time leader. You're right. He's got 2,973 three-pointers. But here's the kicker. It took Ray Allen... 1,300 games to do it. It's going to take Steph Curry under 800. He's probably going to break the record. I'm going to say my guess is the 787th game. That's my guess. He's played 785 games. That's, you know, I I was going to say slightly over half the games. It's a little bit more than slightly over. But this is what I hope. This is what I hope Steph Curry does. I think based on my prediction, he is going to break the record probably at Indiana. I don't want him to slow up. I would love, obviously, even Golden State fans would love for him to do it at home. First, I would say I'd like to do for him to do it in Madison Square Garden. But, happy birthday, Larry Bird, by the way. KD's still the better small forward, power forward than Larry as I have a running debate going with Dexter Henry and some of his, some of uh, his colleagues. But I want Steph Curry to get the record at Boston because Ray Allen played there, won a championship there, and Larry Bird played there. Now, yes, you could say, well, if he got it, Indiana... He already passed Reggie Miller, so that'd be exciting if he got it at Indiana, but he needs 16 three-pointers to pass Ray Allen, so I don't see that happening, although that would be special. But I hope it happens in Boston. I figured he'll get four in Indiana, five in New York. That's nine. That means he's got seven to go. 
I think he could get seven in Boston, but it's probably unlikely. So maybe he slows down a little bit. All right, maybe I'll get four, get two in Toronto, come back home and do it against Sacramento at home next Monday. Probably won't happen. My prediction is somewhere in between New York and Boston. But when you think about the number of the villains that LeBron James has, the love-hate relationship with KD, I think everybody really is a big Giannis fan, but I don't see Giannis passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or getting any kind of records. He's just a Greek freak. Steph Curry's going to go down as the greatest scorer ever. Until somebody beats him. But he's just such a joy to watch. He's actually the favorite right now at plus 140 to get the regular season MVP. I mean, you couldn't have a more respected player that people just find the joy to be around now I don't really you know I'm not gonna act like I know Steph Curry personally but a video that sticks out in my mind especially as you think about how there is um some would say there's a lot more LeBron bashing there's a lot of LeBron bashing there's a video that says it all about the difference between how He's an assassin. Don't get me wrong. Steph Curry is an assassin. But he enjoys the game. And I had to go back and look at the video, but I remember it was game one. Well, I didn't remember. That's why I had to go back and look. I had to find the video. But it showed the difference between someone like Curry who really seems to just enjoy the game, but still can compete and win at a high level versus guys who I'm not going to say they take the game too seriously. I think it is important that you take it seriously, but enjoy your life. Enjoy the game. And it was game one, 2019 NBA finals. And okay. Yeah. You know, it was the Cavs and Golden State was about to win and LeBron James blocked Steph Curry's layup. It was overtime. Clay and LeBron are jawing. Steph and LeBron are jawing. Actually, LeBron actually didn't block his shot. I think he wanted to go. But it was just the way that, you know, Steph Curry was smiling. He's enjoying the NBA Finals, having a good time. And LeBron James, like, pushes him away. And it was that lack of just joy to me for basketball that I saw. And all this business. Now y'all playing a kid's game. You should have fun with it. And that's what I love the most. The way he enjoys the game is just on a different level. And I just really appreciate it. And I imagine you do too. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you're a Steph hater. Maybe you're like, no, he smiles too much. He has, a, he has too much fun. The funny thing is LeBron James and Steph Curry, when Steph Curry missed a free throw once when it was Lakers, you know, LeBron James with the Lakers, you know, 
I don't know how many times he's ever missed two free throws, but he missed the first one. Then he puts the second one up. And then LeBron, LeBron James says, you know, miss it. Never seen that before. Something to that effect. I just thought that was funny. Uh, he says, uh, what was the quote? Uh, it was like, uh, quote, LeBron say, give me two. I ain't never seen that. Um, you know, because he doesn't miss two free throws. But it's just a joy. I just enjoy watching Steph Curry play basketball. And it's going to be fun, whether it happens in the next game or two games from now. I think it would be cool to have it happen in Boston where Ray Allen played and Larry Bird played. Um, But I'm certainly going to be watching. I feel like every... Every Warriors game should be on television for a little bit. Somewhere or another. NBA TV, TNT, ESPN, League Pass. Well, of course, obviously, League Pass is anyone can buy it. But these games should be on national television because it's going to be fun to watch him over the next few games go for the record. And the NBA as a whole, I just feel like... um, Similar to the NFL, I wonder if we're going to get parity. And I thought a little bit more about it towards the beginning of the season. That I was excited that we might see a little bit more parity. But 24, 25 games in, over a quarter of the games have been played of a 82-game season. I think I was wrong about that. Well, not wrong, but, you know, I wonder if the cream is starting to rise to the top. Warriors and Suns are at the top of the Western Conference. Jazz, Clippers, Mavericks, Lakers, Nuggets are all kind of where they should be. Memphis Grizzlies are mixed in there at 14 and 10. Timberwolves, 11 and 13, so their record is not great, but it'll be interesting to see if they somehow work their way or stay in the playoffs. But in the Eastern Conference, the Wizards have lost three in a row. Is their magic fading? It's funny because the Bulls haven't been good. But I feel like every time I think of the Bulls, I think of Jordan, the Jordan year. So I feel like, oh, yeah, the Bulls should be up there. But really, they've been a bad team for a while. Can they sustain where they are? I mean, they won four in a row. Again, I love the Zach Levine, Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, three-headed monster. But the Bucks are now in third place. They've risen back to the top. They're 16 and 9. Nets are in first place at 16 and 7. Heat are up there. Celtics are getting back up there. Sixers are in seventh place. The Hawks are even rising. They're rising into the playoffs. So I know we got a long way to go, but the cream is rising to the top. 
And as much as I thought we might get more parity, as much as I feel like there is an NFL, I thought maybe we would get it in the NBA. But I don't know. It seems like that's slowly fading away. And even for my Washington Wizards, yeah. They may end up being what we expected them to be, a 500 basketball team. And then it goes back to, yeah, that's why you maybe pulled the trigger a little too early on the front office. Maybe not. I hope not. I don't want them anything to happen, but, you know, we'll see what happens. The Nets are still favored at plus 240 to win it all. With the Warriors right behind them at plus 600, Bucks plus 800, Lakers plus 900, Suns plus 1,000, Jazz plus 1,200. There's the Bulls at plus 3,000. Mavericks, I don't think they have enough. They're at plus 3,500. But that Bulls team could be dangerous. Hawks at plus 4,500. Are they dangerous? Can they turn it around? The Celtics at plus 6,000. Will they pull the trigger on a trade that, you know, catapults them back to a contender? But at plus 6,000, those are some good odds. If you think they can turn it around, you might want to try to grab that now. But also the point about where these teams will be in projecting out how good a team is, the Wizards were in first place less than a week ago. They're plus 18,000 to win it all. Where are they to win the conference? Plus 7,500. There are eight, nine teams ahead of them to win the conference. Division, okay, maybe. But the crazy thing is to win the NBA Southeast Division, they're still behind the Heat, Hawks, and Hornets at plus 1,500 to win the Southeast Division. That's not good. That's not good for me, the Wizards fan. Like, wait, I want to believe in this team. For what? Because the house always wins or close to it. And no one believes in the Wizards. No one. It's a smokescreen. Enjoy it while it lasts. Well, they've already lost three in a row, so maybe the enjoyment's already over. I hope they turn it around. I mean, I know it's a season of ebbs and flows. They're four and six in their last ten. Maybe, you know, maybe it's peaks and valleys. They peaked. We're in the valley. We're going to peak again. The key is you got to peak in the playoffs. Similar to the Washington football team. You're peaking too early. It's hard to sustain it. It's hard to sustain it. Hard to sustain it. But this is fun. This is a lot of fun. Is I keep an eye on the MVP race? Yes, Steph Curry's up there at plus 140. Kevin Durant's behind him at plus 475. 
No love for Zach Levine at plus 6,500 or DeMar DeRozan at plus 5,000, but what they are doing in Chicago should not be forgotten. Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP at plus 1,500. Rookie of the year, I think it's going to be Evan Mobley in Cleveland, what he's doing at plus 200. Cade Cunningham, the motorcade at plus 225. Scotty Barnes was my sleeper at plus 275. I thought Jalen Suggs may get up there, but... His season hasn't gone as planned and injuries. Most improved player. I think Book Miles Bridges. He is the favorite at plus 200. A sleeper I could see might be a LaMelo Ball, but he was just as amazing last year. John Morant's at plus 350. He was just as amazing last year. I'm surprised either one of them are even in most improved because I felt like they were just as good. I would look at a player like a Jordan Poole with the Warriors. No one expected Jordan Poole to be what he is right now. He came out of nowhere in my mind. That to me is like a most improved, like, whoa. I think it should be by who made the biggest jump. And right now, in my mind, Jordan Poole is making the biggest jump. We'll see what happens. It's a runaway right now for Tyler Hero to get the sixth man of the year at minus 140. Montrez Harrell is at plus 1,400. Can he win another... Six man of the year award. Didn't he win it last year? Gosh, sorry if I had that wrong. But Kelly Oubre Jr. is at plus 2,000. He's been really good too. Charlotte's looking good. 14 and 12, they're in the playoffs. And Kelly Oubre Jr. has been pretty consistent. He had a couple of issues hiccups to start the season for charlotte i wouldn't be surprised if michael jordan had a couple of choice words for him to remind him of who who he plays for who the owner is and maybe helping him be a better player man how many teams would love to have michael jordan as the owner you know pick his brain a little bit i'm sure he watches practice goes to plenty of practices Jordan Clarkson's at plus 2,200. I think he got sick. Maybe he got most improved player of the year. Defensive player of the year. Draymond Green is at plus 175. He has been, he stepped it up a notch. Rudy Gobert is plus 200. Giannis plus 750. Mikhail Bridges, Michael Bridges plus 1,500. I feel bad. I don't know which one it is. Michael or McHale. Anthony Davis plus 1,700. Joel Embiid plus 1,800. I think to give it to somebody else, if you think about what Golden State is doing, boy, I could see him running away with this. And don't let Klay Thompson come off the bench. Man, he may steal that six-man-of-the-year award when he comes back. 
I'm sure he will be a starter realistically, but who knows? Maybe in terms of, you know, uh, getting him back to game speed, maybe he will be coming off the bench. Because the team's playing well. You don't necessarily want to mess up that chemistry. But it'll be fun. What isn't fun is a topic that I wanted to end the show talking about. As you know, I mentioned it earlier about the Antonio Brown suspension versus the fine for Aaron Rodgers. The NFL suspended Antonio Brown for the rest of the season. His time with Tampa may be done. At least he's already won a a championship. He's already got that Super Bowl. My thoughts as I was reading you know, some different articles. I was curious what other people thought of the difference between what Aaron Rodgers was given as far as a fine versus what Aaron Ro- what Antonio Brown went through. And bottom line, what they both did was wrong. What they both did was wrong. And having a fake vaccine card isn't just violating NFL protocols. But what they did is a federal offense. To have a fake vaccine card. And that's wrong. He broke the law. People were treating him as someone who was vaccinated when he wasn't. And he got to walk around maskless, around the other players and in the organization. There was a lot that Antonio Brown did that was wrong. Maybe should get suspended for more games. I'm not even upset about that. My issue, actually, I don't. I w- It's not race related, because I think this goes something different in terms of race. And I did read one article that talked about how. You know, Aaron Rodgers, there was a tweet that they showed from Cedric Golden who said Aaron Rodgers can yell at Bears fans. You know, the thing where he did with like, I've owned you and my whole bleeping life. And he doesn't get a flag, but then Cam Newton yells, I'm back and he gets a flag. I mean, I I do think that there are some issues there. The one thing that I am seeing is that the NFL loves Aaron Rodgers. They love quarterbacks. That's where the delineation comes for me. 
And I'm sure there's some legal things in that too. You can't think what Aaron Rodgers did was not just wrong for Aaron Rodgers. You can't possibly take away the fact, and yet they have managed to do so. The fact that the NFL and the Green Bay Packers both knew that Aaron Rodgers was not vaccinated. And they said nothing. They didn't harp on it. They let him walk around in front of media members as if he was not unvaccinated. So the culpability in Aaron Rodgers' case goes beyond Aaron Rodgers in my mind. Because the league and the team also had a duty to inform the public that Aaron Rodgers was lying when he said, I'm immunized. Okay, he didn't have a card. He didn't go that far. But the fact that the league, you know, okay, yeah, they fined the Buccaneers $300,000 for allowing Rodgers and Lazard to break the league's protocols on purpose. But the NFL knew what was going on too. They were, in my mind, implicit in allowing Aaron Rodgers to go unchecked. to walk around as if he was vaccinated. And that's where, to me, it's actually worse than Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, maybe three people knew that he wasn't vaccinated. That knew he had a fake vaccine card. And what he did, he should have been suspended for. But how is the league going to suspend itself when they knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't vaccinated, but he was pretending like, oh yeah, I'm immunized. Yeah, he was pretending like he was vaccinated. So the media is just as culpable. Because I don't know if they made as big a deal of it. Oh yeah, he's fine, 14,000. Okay, move on, move along. He's back at quarterback, yay! No, weeks went by that the Packers, NFL, and Aaron Rodgers knew that he wasn't vaccinated, but acted as if if he was. If nothing else, act as, as if he was when he dealt with the media. And I think that there's something to be said for that. He was putting people in harm's way just as much as Antonio Brown. He even gets COVID in the season and gets to keep playing. And that's what I had a problem with. Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, as quarterbacks in general, you know, because they are the cornerstone of the franchise. No, your punishment should be the same. Remember there were Jordan rules? Like you were worried the NBA or not worry, but you didn't know for a fact 
that the stars got star treatment and they get the calls. The quarterbacks get the calls. Obviously, with the case of Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers, that's not always the case. But it's just simply not fair. Aaron Rodgers should not be playing football. Maybe not right now. Maybe at, at the very least, a three-game suspension, something. But you can't suspend him because the NFL and the Packers knew. So we had the NFL and the Packers between a rock and a hard place. They could simply not punish him. They just couldn't. And that's where the problem is. That's what I feel like in the things that I have read. And maybe, yeah, maybe you would say, oh, well, that's because they're smarter than you. It's ESPN. It's Fox Sports. It's Bleacher Report doing these reports. But I can see with my own eyes that that's where it really came down to. The league and the team and the Packers were implicit in allowing Aaron Rodgers to stay with this narrative that he was immunized for almost, what was it, half a season? The whole thing is sad. And I hope everybody, as I just got my booster this weekend, I hope everybody gets vaccinated so we can move on from this and we can all enjoy sports and your life and your work and your family and holidays and vacation without the worry of possibly getting COVID and something, you know, really bad happening to you. I hope this podcast wasn't as bad as... Hope this podcast wasn't bad and you enjoyed it. And, you know, I hope you can find. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. That'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm Jamoke Davis. New pod up on Thursday. Ciao for now.